You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. The MLB draft is in the books. 40 rounds, a few over 1,000 players, and uh, now I can start preparing for next year. Not really. I still have a lot of write-ups to do. I've written up... Um, I have a deal with Indians Baseball Insider where I do all 40 uh, players are written up. I have through uh, pick 20, and then I have some guys at the tail end just because I had some data come in, and I wanted to write those up beforehand. Those will all be up by the weekend, though. Every single player you can go and find out about. I'll talk about some of them tonight, my overall feel, my overall take on the draft. Um, First, we'll talk about the game today, and then we'll do the draft. It'll be another kind of quick half so I can dive deep on the draft as I figure that is what I know the most about. It makes more sense to focus there. So the Indians um, take another one from the Twins. They can't beat anyone, but now they've beat the best team in baseball two games in a row. Uh, they went with the opener strategy. It really didn't work out. Clippard got lit up. Olsen got lit up. Goody was all right. I was a little surprised to see that, uh, that he was called up because of his struggles. Uh, Cole... Whitgren has is, uh, is been not as strong. He picked up the win. Then you got Simber with the hold and Hand coming in and slamming the door shut. Uh, we have to talk about the Carlos Carrasco situation where he is suffering from a blood issue. The Indians think he'll be back this year. He's taking some time off. I don't know what it is. Part of me wonders if maybe it's something like diabetes where that could be, you know, they talked about fatigue. If he is suffering from something like diabetes, that would be fatigue. It could be an issue, you know, that's your blood sugar. That's my uh, my guess that it could be that because they, you know, it's a lot going on and it's a thing where he's got to get his himself right physically before he can be an effective pitcher again. But it could explain why we've seen some declines in his performance this year. Um I kind of, I think I also hope it's diabetes because, yes, diabetes is a terrible thing to have, but it's not as scary as some other things when you talk about a, a blood issue. Um, hopefully, and again, they said he'll be back this year. We don't know when. He's got to figure things out. That's the other reason that I thought that could be it. Uh, with, I mean, okay, so Trevor Bauer has not been Trevor Bauer of a year ago. I didn't expect, expect him to be. Kluber's hurt. Clevenger's hurt. Carrasco's out for who knows how long. I mean, that four-fifths of the rotation is gone from what we expected at the start of the year. Um, uh, They sent down Rodriguez. This was going to be his game. You have to imagine he'll be coming back up soon. Uh, Clevenger is eligible to come off the disabled list very soon, maybe even this weekend if he's ready to go. So the rotation's probably shaping up to be Bauer, Bieber, Clevenger, Plesak, and Rodriguez as your five. Uh, not the worst. It could be a lot worse. There are teams out there who have a worse rotation than that. So we just need to be thankful for the pitching depth and the guys like Plesak and, and Rodriguez stepping up this year. Offensively, the Indians had another power explosion. Uh, Trevor Lindor took the team lead in home runs by getting up to his 11th. Roberto Perez got his ninth, and Jordan Luplo his eighth. This is part of why... For the first time I can ever recall, I prefer when the Indians face a left-handed pitcher. The team is much better against a lefty because Luplo is just death on lefty, lefties this year. Three for five with that home run. Uh, his eight home runs are what, third, on, I guess, would now be fourth on the team. But, uh, you know, excellent production. 
Uh, Roberto Perez, his nine home runs, he's much better against lefties. Uh, I really wish that he was up and Kipnis was down one more spot. But, you know, just to go into other things, Santana with uh, his 12th double. Jose Ramirez goes two for four. Average is creeping up. Stolen base for him, stolen base for Lindor. And Bowers even gets an assist fielding. Um, you know, it's there, there's developmental go. We'll have to see. But again, when, uh, when they're facing a lefty, uh, I mean, Lindor is one of the best players in the game. Mercado is coming back a little to earth, which is to be expected. Santana is still performing well. Leplo has been fantastic against lefties. Signs of life from Ramirez. I mean, Kipnis against a lefty should be ninth. Like, end of story, ninth. Uh, it just it drives me up a wall. Uh, Roberto Perez, Bowers is going to struggle a little more against lefties. You want him down in the lineup. But uh, some signs of life, and it's nice to see them taking it to the Twins. I mean, this is a team with the best record in baseball, and they've now taken two straight against them. And in a game where uh, they didn't have a starter, they tried an opener for the first time ever, and it did not go well. I'll be curious to see what they do. Um, it feels like transactions will be coming just because, I mean, they exhausted the pen today. It is beat. So, uh, you know, it was a long game today. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I feel like something has got to give. Um, I didn't really look too deeply on the 40-man and such, but uh, they need to make some kind of uh, move. I think right now it's you got Edwards and Smith who were not used in the game today. Uh, in returning old friend news, the Indians did sign to a minor league contract. Mitch Talbot from the Sugarland Skeeters is a, a name from the past. The return for Kelly Shopik. One of those guys, uh, if I'd had a podcast back in the day, I would have been screaming to sell high on uh, before they eventually moved him for Talbot. I want to remind everyone to use the new Himalaya app. Uh, I know Taylor has been telling me great things about it. Taylor Blake Ward over on the Locked on Angels podcast. iTunes, Google Play, whatever works for you. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. That is big for us. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, we'll reverse it today, and I will start with BlueChew.com. Uh, if you need a little extra, you need a little help, you're very curious about it, this is the pill that's right for you quicker than the other ones. It's got the same active ingredients because it's chewable. It gets in your bloodstream quicker. If you've ever been curious, $5 is all it's going to cost. You pay the 5 bucks in shipping. It gets discreetly mailed to your door. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be uh, embarrassed about such things. No one's going to know but you. BlueChew.com, the promo code when you go there is MLB to get that free, uh, get the free trial. You're just paying that 5 bucks for shipping. And uh, I'm seeing it everywhere. So the, the must work with as much as they have put into advertising. Uh, it must be working well for them. So BlueChew. Promo code MLB. Hotels.com. I use them. It, uh, it's a way to save you time and money. Their whole model is if it's not saving you time and money, you're not coming back, and then they aren't making money off of you using them. So you want to go to Hotels.com because their whole model is based on making you happy. If you're not happy, they can't make more money. If you are happy, you keep using it, and they make more money. So the, it's, a, it's all there to make you happy. It's going to save you time money make your vacation or easier hotels.com so day three of the draft was today for those who don't know on day three there it is rounds 10 through 40 uh when i first started covering this it was rounds 10 through 50 uh, at first i was like oh that's a shit now i'm very happy that it ends at 40 i will not lie um 
the all players can sign for up to $125,000 without counting against their pool. So that's the max the player can sign for without uh, being part of the pool uh, grouping. Now, that doesn't mean everyone gets that. There are going to be guys who, uh, you know, I wrote up Jacob Forrester today. He's just the sixth player ever drafted from Central uh, Washington University. Uh, it's a lower division school. He had some good numbers there. The Indians liked him. They took him. I mean, he wasn't even first-team all-conference, but you know, he was up to, I think, like 95 with his fastball. But he's like unlikely as a small school guy, the 37th-round pick, to get a lot of money. He probably will get something around senior sign money. He's probably going to get you know 20000 max. Not everyone automatically gets 120000 on the last day. Uh, typically, rounds 11 through 15, uh, teams are going to sign those guys. Uh, everyone gets excited when their team drafts a big name. If, unless they draft that big name in rounds 11 through 15, they aren't signing that player. That big name player, if they wait till the 18th round, gives them a month to talk to that player. It also gives them a fallback because sometimes players change their mind. If someone backs out, maybe you can then throw that money at this guy. So those are the two main reasons why you do draft a player who is unlikely to sign. And again, any big name guy would get taken in rounds 11 through 15 if the team really could sign them. That's where you take them because you're not going to risk them getting past you. Uh, so the Indians took, uh, you know, like everyone else, they had all 30 of their picks today. Um, there was, it was a pitcher-heavy day. It was light on upside, high on control specialists, guys who did well on the Cape, um, very college-heavy it was not an exciting day. Typically, there is a few guys that kind of pull you through. Where you're like, oh, this is a really interesting guy. I'm really intri-. That wasn't this year. That wasn't this draft in general. Um, the most interesting guy was uh, Micah Priaz. Uh, I'm butchering his name, and I shouldn't because I heard both him and his brother announced today. His brother is older and went later, and his brother is from UCLA. Uh, Micah in a fun stat thing, had 18 home runs this year and 16 strikeouts. Not a lot of guys can say he had more home runs than strikeouts. He's a Division II player of the year, so he's facing lesser competition. He is playing in a park that is good for hitters. There's all the reasons why he uh, performed well, but he's still a six foot four guy with an above-average run. As he fills in that frame, he could have above-average power. The hit tool looks to be average. There's a chance for a starter with him. I'll be curious to see. He's one of those guys that uh, he really honestly could have gone yesterday. I mentioned the Indians might have a little bit of money to spend today. Uh, uh, so maybe he's someone that they threw a little bit more on because he was someone that I think uh, a lot of places would have put in day two. You know, some of these, it's like a very classic pick for them in this is they took Julian Escobedo in the 17th round from San Diego State. Good really good defender, but he was San Diego State's worst offensive contributor this year. So the Indians drafted the worst guy from San Diego State offensively. They did it for his defense, but that's kind of the theme in this draft. They went defense heavy. They went control specialist heavy. Um, As I wrote up, I feel like, you know, they drafted Josh Tomlin and he was a success. There's no way you can argue that. He was a starter for several years. That's a success for any draft pick. They drafted Shane Bieber and he already had the control, but they are able to work with him, and his stuff took a leap, and he became the player he is now. I think they think that uh, they'll just keep drafting guys like this. If they already have the control in place, maybe we can uh, help them get everything else in, it lined up 
and we'll have another Bieber situation, another Plesak situation, a Clevenger. You know, it, it's hard to fault them when they have been very successful in the development. Now, it doesn't always work out. In that same Bieber draft, Aaron uh, Saival, uh still bounced around the minors. He was the higher pick. He was the bigger-name guy. He was the one who cost more money. Uh, Andrew Landtrip was the third guy in that at grouping, and uh, he's battled injuries, and he may not even be at the organization anymore. I'd have to look up and see, but I haven't seen his name anywhere. So it's, you know, they, and they took a lot of control guys. There's a lot. They put a high value on control and success in the Cape. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, other interesting guys, um, Michael Amadeus stands out as he is a redraft who, uh, first two years didn't play much at Miami, played quite a bit and played well this year. Uh, Nick Enright was utterly dominant on the Cape. He was drafted by the Mets out of high school. He's 94 out of high school. I don't know what he's at now, but uh, arm injury. Uh, he's a, a redshirt junior, I want to say. Joab Gonzalez is a 19-year-old sophomore from the JUCO ranks, a good athlete. Uh, one of the few kind of ceiling picks that they could sign. It's, it's just not... Uh, it's not an awe-inspiring group. They really played it safe this year. You know, I wasn't a huge Espino fan. I just think there's too much risk. Um, you know, I commented, uh, I did the uh, one of the the Indians Baseball Insider podcasts, and I'm like, go through all the prep arms they've taken. They've taken a lot over the years. They've taken a lot in the last few years. Have they had a successful prep arm who has pitched for more than three years in the majors with the Indians? Uh, since CC Sabathia, I couldn't think it would be. Um, you know, yeah, they took a lot of college arms, but there's also points where they're taking prep arms relatively early, and they've taken a lot of prep arms early. Uh, you know, you can go back to Dylan Howard, probably the worst second round pick in team history, never even made it to A ball. You look at, uh, you know, Juan Hillman still in A ball at this point, Tristan McKenzie, who can't stay healthy. Uh, Hankins is, we still haven't seen much for him. Lenny Torres got hurt already. You go back through the system, you look at the J.D. Martins, you look at the, you know, all of those guys, the Dan Denhams. They have been almost uniformly unable since Sabathia to develop a prep arm. You look at their current staff, um, these are all guys that they traded for, or, you know, Bauer trade, Kluber trade, Carrasco trade, Bieber was a college guy. Clavenger trade. Four-fifths of that rotation when everything's working is trade. Plesak was a college draft pick. Uh, Rodriguez is a trade. So they keep going for these high-ceiling prep guys, but they've shown no ability to develop one in almost 20 years. So I, I just don't think... And in, When you take a guy who's undersized, has kind of a funky delivery, and is throwing that hard, that just... I mean, it screams arm injury. I am... I'd be willing to bet my savings that uh, Espino is going to have Tommy John surgery in the next five years. I, I think that's the odds are in favor of that happening. They're not against that. And <coughs> sorry, no cough button here. And you look at the other picks. Uh, you know, Christian uh, Cairo and uh, Jordi's Valdez are almost the same player. Seventeen-year-old uh, defensive first shortstops. There was a great clip online of the LSU coach saying that like uh, Christian uh, Cairo was there. He had talked with him. He was going to get his classes together. The Indians called up, offered him about a million dollars, and uh, he left to go sign with the Indians. 
Now that's almost that's more than twice his slot value. So the Indians decided that you know that's where to spend the money. And again, that's both those guys are defense first. Anything offensively needs to develop. They're not big guys. They don't really show any of the signs of what I would look at typically at a prep guy and be like, okay, power is coming. I can see this is standing out. This is here. This tool. I can see the bat speed. I can see the exit velocities. I can see a guy who's using the whole field. We don't really see that. I mean, especially with Valdez, it's he's in the nascent stages of being a hitter. So, I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, the Indians were always going to be low on my rankings and the AL Central. I mean, that's what I do. I don't do grades. I just rank them. I put them in order when I write up a, a, a division. And they were probably always going to be near the bottom because the other four teams were picking in the top 13. Um, but the Indians are probably, when it's all said and done, one of my five least favorite drafts this year. Um, it's uh, high risk with the first pick and then no risk with every other pick. I mean, but that's I, that's not fair. I still think guys like Valdez and Cairo, yes, they're utility infielders, but you're taking a risk with them because the uh, the margins are so small. If they're not as good defensively as they project to be, then they're not big leaguers. If their bat isn't league average, um, they're likely not big leaguers. I mean, it's there are these guys who are very borderline guys. You know, we say someone has a high floor. Sometimes when their floor is really high and their ceiling's really low, it just takes one little thing, and then it, that's it. There's no margin for error, and that's kind of what it's like. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but um, you know, the development outside of like Plesac coming out of nowhere this year, it's you go through. It's not been, you know, uh, they have a very distinct model, and that model led to Will Benson. It led to Quentin Holmes. It's uh, neither of those guys have panned out. It led to you know, a lot of picks that have not worked. And, and frankly, that's what we're kind of seeing with the Indians. The the uh, the development has been very hit or miss, and they're having more luck with the later picks than the early ones. I know. Huge downer. Again, Micah Perez is interesting. Um, maybe they can sign Ryan Ramsey, an interesting lefty away from... Uh, uh, Maryland, Jake Harrell's another interesting left-handed pitcher who's committed to Fresno State. Maybe they can get him. I don't think they're getting signed Nelson from BYU. It's hard to get a Utah kid away from U- uh, from BYU. Uh, you know, I got to make a good joke about uh, the Indians chose wisely, Alex wisely. Huh? Huh? Um, somebody drafted Dylan Thomas. Got to make a joke about not going too gentle into that good night. We had Ryan Reynolds get drafted. Uh, you know, it's always fun to kind of pick things apart to see what there are. It's just, like I said, it's, for me, it is, it screams safety. And it screams trying to get lucky again and find another Bieber type. And as great as Bieber and Toplin have been, they've been kind of trying to find more of those guys for a while now, and they've gotten two in the last ten years. Um, It's not a, a high payout model. So we'll have to see what the Indians go or what they do. Um, you know, Espino is going to be a back-end top 10 guy for me. Nobody else in this draft even comes close. Um, you know, a year ago, uh, it's terrible. You know, everything gets blended together in my mind. Uh, I'm blanking on the second baseman that I loved that they took, who's a... Uh, you know, there was guy, but there was guys like him. There was some... Uh, or Corey Holland was the day three guy. There were some interesting pieces you go through and I'm like one of the five most interesting pieces is a guy who projects to be a backup outfielder, but might also be a loogie. 
like a backups. Um, it's even someone like Joe Naranjo. It's like it's a relative low uh, low ceiling. Like he's going to be a good first baseman, but I don't think anyone expects too much more than that. It's you know the high end outcome isn't that high. Um, really, the only player you look at with possible high end outcome, you know, maybe Jordan Brown, but it's it's Espino, and then um, very much a lot of utility and depth guys. Looking ahead to next year, let's just switch gears. Uh, the Indians continue with their struggles. Next year's class is going to be, co- you know, this year's class. We talked about the absolute dearth of college pitching, and part of that was that there was so many guys on day three, like Jeff Bellage from St. John's, Adam Lasky from Duke, Justin Hooper, and Kyle Molner from UCLA. These were guys who had first round talk out of high school and went to college and just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't be consistent, didn't develop well, all sorts of issues. Um, but the guys you expected, uh, you know, it's like Ryan uh, Zephyrjan from Kansas was a day two pick, but he was like one of the more successful one of those guys who got away, who had uh, a lot of run. So, you know, next year's class, you're looking at Cole Wilcox, who was like the highest rated player who didn't get drafted a year ago. He'll be a draft eligible sophomore. His teammate, Ethan Hancock, um, I believe Asa Lacey, oh, maybe he's two years off. You know, I, I think I... Oh, now I got to look that up because that's going to drive me up a wall. But um, Tanner Burns from uh, Auburn. There's it, It's a pitcher-heavy class is basically what I'm, I'm getting at. There's a lot of interesting arms. Uh, no, yeah, Asa Lacey is next year. I was right. Uh, very much if the Indians are picking high, I could still see him being a target even though they have not taken a, a college arm early in a while. Um, he just kind of checks the boxes in terms of the, typically what they like. But that's what I think we're going to see. Um, the college arms weren't there. I'll have to you know, dive into my ranks from three years ago. And uh, you know, that's basically the outside. first step is just writing down names as I'm going through statistical performances, watching videos, just kind of making a list to go back to later. Step two is to go back to my old lists and pull out all the names, and that's what I did this year. You know, I started with, like, Hunter Bishop was one of the highest players in there. The, all those arms I just mentioned, you know, you pull out all of those names and you see who's going to be there, and uh, you're kind of just making a list of who to follow. Now, something else I'd highly recommend doing is watch, uh, following the Cape Cod. The Indians put a lot of value in the Cape Cod, and on top of that, the guy who's led the Cape Cod in strikeouts four years in a row has had a massive breakout uh really elevated his profile and uh those guys have all found success in the minors so uh, keep your eye on whoever leads the league in strikeouts it's a it's a very good uh causal it's not so much it's probably more correlative than you know causation but uh it's definitely something that stands out because when you can strike out the best of the best at the highest rate that's you know that's a good thing so this draft is in the books. You can uh, you'll find some write ups by me over on scouting.com. You can follow me at Jeff MLB Draft on Twitter. You can find a lot of the Indians related stuff on the Indians Baseball Insider site. And as always, I want to remind you to subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, uh, on the Himalaya app, which a lot of people are telling me is great. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm gonna get some sleep as it's not been uh, something I could do the past few days. So I also apologize if these have been a little more incoherent than usual. Thank you for listening, and go Tribe!